I'm Colleen, and this podcast is an inside look at recovery, which I define as a lifelong journey to get out of your own way and become your own best friend. Join me for mindset upgrades that move you from worry and regret to resilience and confidence. I'll share easy strategies for how to feel better without having to make major changes. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. Self-care is the path to recovery because our needs are not negotiable. When we are struggling to control our alcohol use, we end up hiding and lying because we're ashamed. And that really is what perpetuates the, the addiction because we don't feel like we can be honest that we're having trouble moderating it or controlling it, or we keep setting rules and then breaking the rules. And so we hide it because we believe that drinking is normal and social and necessary and it's relaxing and it's part of our culture and it's healthy in moderation. We believe all of these things. So if we can't control it, the logical leap there is that there's something wrong with us. And as a society, we collectively agree to ignore the fact that alcohol is a neurotoxic, psychoactive, mind-altering, class one carcinogenic, depressant, addictive drug. And so to avoid that truth that we're all engaging with a substance that is dangerous, then we take our problems and our reactions to it underground. And we try to moderate our behavior with it with shame. We try to moderate with discipline and willpower. If we can just get ourselves, you know, to, to rise above our urges to continue to consume this when we shouldn't, then we will be stronger than the alcohol. But you don't go to a doctor and expect to get a prescription for Xanax or Adderall or an antidepressant even or opiates. I mean, nobody goes to the doctor and the doctor looks at them and says, well, you know, take as many of these as you want, as often as you want. You'll only have a problem if you're an opi if you're an addict. No, the drug creates the addiction. Using the drug creates the addiction. So we all know that doesn't matter who you are, grandma, soccer moms, college students, anybody can get addicted to Xanax or opioids or whatever it is you're talking to. Anybody who uses an addictive substance can get addicted to it. And so it's really important when you're quitting drinking, if you want to do it with ease and to be grateful that you don't have to drink anymore, it's really important to bring out those shameful belief systems that there's something wrong with you and step into the belief that you're quitting because you have the choice. You're still alive to do it, to be grateful that you don't have to drink anymore, to be grateful that you don't have to engage, that you know better and that you don't have to keep on that hamster wheel of crazy and then wonder what the hell's wrong with you. Get off the hamster wheel of crazy. So when we quit drinking from a place of we've found the solution, 
We want to feel better. There's nothing wrong with us. We just got the memo. We're leveling up. We're rising above. That is the attitude that will not only allow you to be around alcohol and drinkers without batting an eye any more than I don't eat, you know, the crappy cupcakes from the Kroger, even though everybody else is. And I don't eat Pizza Hut pizza, even though everybody else is like, no, thank you. I don't want to put that into my body. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't, it, it's not, I'm, I have no desire to make myself sick any more than I have a desire to step in the dog shit. You know, we naturally avoid things that don't work for us. And so creating that identity really, a, a, it requires us to look at the beliefs that create either the the drinker identity where there's something wrong with us, we're an alcoholic anyway, cheers, you know, or the I'm smarter than that pers persona. And so either way, both personalities can exist. You have lived your life thus far or for a period of time as a drinker. And now that you know better, it's going to feel a little unfamiliar to operate with that belief. And your feelings are going to come up occasionally because those thoughts and beliefs are still inside you. You, you still can fall back unconsciously into old thinking patterns. And when you are lost in thought or in a situation where you're not really dialed into what's going on, your emotions will alert you to the fact that those feelings are coming up. But the feelings when they come up are not like a soft, gentle nudge. No, what, what will come up is the old shame and the old questions will pop back into your mind of, am I an alcoholic? Or maybe I can just have some. Those are for a little bit of alcohol. Maybe I can reintroduce it. You know, I've just quit drinking for a month or two and I, I felt so good that that must mean I can drink, which do the logical math on that out loud. Like, you know, how is it that a period of not drinking proves that you should drink? Shouldn't it prove that you shouldn't drink? Shouldn't it prove that you found the solution and that you're not like, why would you shoot yourself in the foot once you realize what the problem is? So in this short and quick module, I want to show you that there never is a place in time where you are never going to have another thought about alcohol and that you are never going to have that thought pop into your head of, oh, I wish I could have just one. Oh, I'm kind of, I feel a little left out. Everybody's popping champagne and it looks so good. And obviously, you know, there's something wrong with me because I can't, or maybe there's nothing wrong with me, so I should. Okay. Changing your identity and believing that you should not drink does not eradicate any and every thought that you've ever had. Hopefully by now you have gotten the tools to understand that when the emotions come up and you pay attention to them, that you can resolve them. Okay. So let's say you're at a party and everybody's popping champagne and you start to feel a little longing. You start to feel a little left out. You start to feel like confusion, like maybe you should be part of that. If you ignore those feelings and white knuckle it and don't tune in and check in with your body, then you may or may not get through that situation without drinking, but you'll continue to feel bad about it. 
But here's the thing. The moment you acknowledge that the emotions that you're feeling are actually giving you a message, and the message is, I still have old thoughts and beliefs inside of me. And you pull those old thoughts and beliefs up into your consciousness, and then you actively again say, I don't believe that. I know that's not true. I know I don't need alcohol to 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 feel connected because my thoughts about being connected and being included are what make me feel that way, not the alcohol. Alcohol has no power over me. It's my emotional state that has power over me. And I choose to operate from a mindset of freedom and intelligence and confidence, even though sometimes I get little feelings that pop up. That is one of the things that I see with clients the most is that they will take their thoughts so seriously. You know, they're doing so well and it's been two months since they've had a drink. And then we get on the phone and they're like, I thought about drinking this weekend. And my first thing is, well, I thought about killing my husband this weekend. Does it make me a murderer? We get urges and thoughts all the time. But if you allow the thought to arise and recognize what it comes from and then pass, let the emotion pass through you and don't overanalyze it. Don't judge yourself for having the thought. We have random thoughts all the time. Sometimes when I'm driving my car out west along the California highway, like going to Yosemite or going down into, you know, Highway 1. And I look at that. Sometimes I have visions of like driving my car off the the edge of the highway. And I have, I, I love my life. I'm not depressed. I have no suicidal ideations. But the thought, the image pops up into my head because that the height kind of messes with my my sense of, I don't know, something. I don't take that too seriously. Because that thought crossed my mind, oh, I could just drive my car off the road, doesn't mean I'm calling my psychiatrist or my psychotherapist or, you know, whatever, because I don't feel that it's true. That's just a thought. And when you realize that you have 4,000 words going through your mind per minute, you have over 60, 80,000 thoughts a day, you can't possibly notice all of them. So don't single out the random occasional thought that, oh, it might be nice to have a drink again and give it more attention than it deserves. We dismiss and ignore all sorts of random thoughts all of the time. Okay, so there is never a point where you will never have another thought or urge to alcohol, even if you are completely 100% satisfied with being a non-drinker. Okay. There's also never a point where you have all of your shit together. Like I have quit drinking. I've done my emotional work and now I'm never going to experience, you know, pain or suffering or confusion or anxiety. Again, nobody has their shit together all of the time. We have a lot of different personalities that we slip and slide into. They're called moods. Okay. We all have moods and a mood is just a prolonged emotional reaction to something that um, we are perpetuating with our thoughts. Okay. So something happens, we have a reaction. We like that reaction for one reason or another. And so we stay in it. We feed it with more thoughts, with more behaviors, whatever it is. That's called a mood. Do that long enough, that becomes a personality trait. That's kind of just who you are. But all of those things are like shoes. You can put them on, you can take them off, you can decide which ones fit, 
which ones you like, which ones you don't. Okay, but they all simultaneously exist. So I want you to look at this optical illusion. What do you see when you look at this image? Some of you may, at first, your eye goes to the young woman. Some of you may see an old woman or an old hag is what we call. So there's a young, beautiful woman and an old hag. The young, beautiful woman is looking over her shoulder. The old woman, it's her, the, her big nose is the same as the chin line of the young woman. And she has thin lips down in the fur of her collar. So if you can see that there's a young woman and an old woman, and in this image, whichever one your eye goes to is the one you experience and is the one you think or believe is, exists. But in reality, both exist simultaneously. And it's what you pay attention to and operate from that determines how you feel about it. Our personalities are very similar to that, except there's more than two. At any given moment, we can see and experience ourselves as the bothered old shrew who needs a drink or the sexy sober badass. Okay, and so in this assignment, in this reflection exercise, I'm going to have you describe and get to know both because both indeed are real. And we're going to pull from um, the emotional work that we did in the last episode about the nervous system. And I'm going to ask you to identify what circumstances um, bring out the old bothered true who needs a drink. And which circumstances in your life, situations, people, events, activities, behaviors, thoughts, big one, bring out the sexy, sober badass. And when you are operating from one of those two polar extremes, which of course there's 50 shades of gray, thousand, many, many, but how does the, the old bothered true who needs a drink, how does she behave? What emotions does she feel? What thoughts and feelings does she have? What beliefs does she tell herself? What stories does she tell herself? Um, how does she think? And I want you to do that for both of them so that you can get familiar with each persona, if you will. And then understand that your belief of becoming a non-drinker does not start with not drinking. It starts with your belief that you are the sexy, confident, sober badass. And those are just my words, like use your own. But I want to show you one last thing. This is a very simple diagram. It's supposed to be an iceberg. So you can see that most of the iceberg is underwater and there's the waves and the guys diving in. And what you see above the water is similar to the iceberg. It is the circumstances in, in our environment. It is how we behave and act. And then to some extent, because we all have facial expressions, it's our mood. But below that are our thoughts about what's going on, what everything means, our perspective, our beliefs um, about right and wrong and good and bad and successful and failure and all of the things. And then underneath that, at the very base of the iceberg, is who we think we are. And 
when you understand that your feelings are are put brought to you by the bottom of the iceberg the way you feel does not come from the circumstances or even your behaviors you know even whether or not you have a drink obviously you've had many drinks in your life and felt real darn good about it okay so your behavior doesn't create your mood now if you had a drink you might feel bad about it or you might feel guilty about it the behavior doesn't create the feeling it's your thoughts, your beliefs, and your identity that create the feeling. So it's really important to understand that your perspective is always changing and that multiple realities can exist and that what you see in any given moment is not the permanent, infallible truth. It's just your feeling based on whatever opinion you have at that moment, which is tied to the beliefs and your, your identity. And this is a wonderful, the, the iceberg analogy is a wonderful example because just like the iceberg, 95% of our thoughts, beliefs, and identities are subconscious. We can't see and hear them because we don't have the capacity to focus and process all of them at once. Remember, you have 80,000 thoughts a day. So none of them are more or less important or relevant. They don't create an emotional reaction until you kind of latch onto it and attach yourself to it, to believe the thought. We have a lot of thoughts. You can believe whatever you want. And quite honestly, that's really the only thing you need to believe to become a successful non-drinker, and incorporate that into your identity. You have to believe that you get to think whatever you want. How many times of an argument have you argued for your right to believe and think as you wish? Well, that's the good news and the bad news. You do get to think what you wish. Beliefs are something that you choose. Beliefs are, do not reflect infallible truth out in the universe. How you see yourself and what you see yourself as capable of, even what you like and what you don't like, all of those things are based on your beliefs. And again, the only thing that you need to believe to do this, to make this transformation, to become a, a happy non-drinker is to believe that you can choose your beliefs, that you get to believe whatever you want about yourself. That there is nothing inherently broken or difficult or wrong or whatever it is. Those are just beliefs. All you have to believe is that you can become a non-drinker and then recognize that when the old thought patterns come in, um, th those neural pathways are literally paths in your brain and they still exist. So occasionally this will happen that leads to that. You know, if you give a mouse a cookie, they're going to want this and then they want that. And then all of a sudden you're having subconscious thoughts about alcohol and you feeling confused about whether or not you want to stay as a non-drinker or whether it really was that bad or what it really means about you, like all of the things. The moment you're recognizing either the feelings or the thoughts, that's your moment of choice. You can choose what you think. You do get to believe whatever you want. So understanding and accepting that power is your power.
And so in conclusion, I want to remind you that knowledge is not transformation. You can't think and truly know. You have to do and try and get the feedback and edit and alter and try again in order for something to really become integrated. You've practiced being first probably a successful drinker for a long time. And then you practiced hiding and and detaching from the behavior and internalizing the shame and the fear and the guilt. You've practiced that. So those old neural networks are going to stay in place. Thinking and realizing you have a choice is not the same as showing up every single day and working through the hard emotions and learning how to work with your nervous system instead of against it and setting intentions and goals and really deciding who you want to be so that you can step into that identity. So you need to continue to practice. And I offer a membership so that if you want to show up and do deeper dive into other topics like values and shame um, and fear and belief systems and all of that and continue to do this work to solidify not just the non-drinking identity. I don't even think about that anymore. Now I am so much more focused on figuring out where I'm my own problem and getting out of my own way and seeing what I want and moving towards it and not letting old thought patterns and belief systems hold me back and steer me wrong, that alcohol just doesn't come up for me anymore. I don't care about alcohol. And, you know, I can remember as a drinker thinking, I wish I could just be a person who could take it or leave it. And I've become that. I have become a person who can not only take it or leave it, but just leave it. No, thank you. And now I'm so much enjoying stepping into what I refer to as emotional sobriety, where I'm learning how to take full responsibility for the way I'm feeling and not blaming it on my spouse or my kids or life or my computer on any given day or just what's going on for me to take responsibility for what my thoughts about that are making it mean, which then creates my um, emotional state. And that my beliefs, and beliefs are just thoughts that we no longer question because we think they're true, but they're not. They've just thoughts that our brain is now put on autopilot because we've examined them enough and then said, yep, I accept that one. Pulling out those beliefs and then rejecting the ones I don't want and adopting new ones. Like, I can do this. I am, you know, powerful and successful and confident and clear about what I want. That's another topic that we do in the membership site, as well as the 12-week program, is how indecision and, and uncertainty are also just emotional states. They're not true stories. And learning how to deal with those so that you can quickly get out of that anxiety, get out of that, you know, confusion and move into clarity. And how I teach to do that is often not just addressing the big thing head on, but to practice becoming clear in small things like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to have for dinner. What if you did know? Like make that decision. Um, making small decision practices that muscle. All of these emotional states can also kind of be thought of as muscles. You know, you have to practice and develop them, develop the resilience to, 
you know, get knocked down and question and get confused. And then to say, you know, what, what do I need to do? What tools do I have to put myself back on track? Whether it be man, manager, managing and ministering and nurturing your nervous system, or just making some decisions and not allowing yourself to spin around in uncertainty. So I do that in the membership, which uh, in this class, you were invited to join us for one month. And I hope that you've done that. And I hope that you are examining the courses and the content and just filling your mind. Because here's what I'll leave you with. In order to be something, for the most part, you have to see it. You have to know that it exists. And if you are constantly filling your social media feed and your brain with thoughts and role models of what you can't be because you no longer drink or, you know, even beyond that with business and finances and uh, relationships, you know, if you're constantly surrounding yourself with people and ideas that continue to limit, well, that's what you're going to see. And that's naturally what you're going to be. But if you surround yourself with mindsets and people and ideas about what's possible, then you can do it. Knowing what's possible is really the forefront of actually exploring and blowing through your potential. So I encourage you to stick around and to explore the other content and then to show up, to show up for practice. Um, that's We do that in the membership site where you can join us one day a week and then access all of the other calls and just listen to the content, but you can show up live and ask questions, or you can submit questions that I will then answer and publish on the private podcast. Um, but showing up and doing this work and making time and space for yourself, you know, one thing we often think is we don't have time for that. How much time did you spend worrying about alcohol? How much time did you spend drinking, recovering from drinking, thinking about drinking, worrying about it and all of that? You do have time. And even time management is a topic that I cover. So I encourage you to get involved, stay connected, reach out to me if you have any questions or feedback. Um, but whether you do the membership site or join us for the next uh, cohort of 12 weeks where we dig into 12 themes and deep dive into exposing um, our the beliefs that are no longer serving us and working through emotional patterns that we're stuck in and then creating something new. I hope to see you there. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please take the time to rate and review the show so that other people can find it. I really appreciate it. And check out the show notes for any resources I've mentioned, including links to follow me on Instagram and join my private Facebook group where I connect with my tribe every day. I love it in there and we have so much fun. And finally, if you're ready to redefine sobriety so that you can feel excited about quitting drinking, follow the link to my 10 Days to Spontaneous Sobriety course where I will help you eliminate, eradicate, obliterate, cancel your desire to drink because looking and feeling your best is addictive too. I'll see you soon.